trade deadline itself was not all that exciting and especially boring for our Los Angeles Lakers who decided to remain pat at the deadline. Welcome back. Welcome in. JC, it's good to be back with you on a post-deadline Ethos Lakers podcast. Just real quick, were you surprised the Lakers did nothing at the deadline? And then I'll give my opinion and we'll get going from there. We got a lot to talk about as we get going on the show here. Going to talk about the league and the deadline and then the Lakers moves and everything in between. I was only surprised in the sense of I felt like it was going to be a pretty quiet deadline. And then teams made some pretty drastic moves to get better. Like the Suns got better with their trade. Milwaukee got better. The Sixers got better with the Buddy Heald trade. So the the speed in which other teams were were getting significantly better, I was like, well, the Lakers can't stand Pat. And the market has to be softening for a guy like DeJounte. So, you know, that kind of trade may not cost as much as it might have previously cost just because so many other dudes are off the table and then the Lakers just didn't do anything. Agree with you in the sense I actually tweeted about it just the night before. There was less than 24 hours to go before the deadline, and it was looking like a major dud. Now, there were a fair amount of trades, and we'll get into pretty much all of them on this show as we look at the league at large in the post-deadline, knowing that the Lakers decided to keep their roster intact around a healthy LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I can't say that I'm surprised, JC. I, I'm, I know a lot of fans wanted fireworks. I know it's easy to you know fire off those those you know twitter fingers and just make all sorts of trades happen and you know the only the only real critique that if i if you want to call it that that i could say of the lakers that they had four first round picks they could have traded you know it it seemed like maybe maybe a guy like royce o'neal who did wind up getting dealt to your point and and only costed a, a few second round picks and some salary filler to make that happen that may seem like the only missed opportunity for me in Lakerland, and that's especially relevant not only with Jared Vanderbilt's injury, obviously, but now Max Christie looking like he's going to miss some time after rolling his ankle just just shy of his 21st birthday. And anyone who has listened to this show knows how I feel about Max Christie. But just to reiterate it again, I'm so glad that he is still on the Lakers. This kid is going to be a player, and I hope this ankle sprain looked worse than what it is because he could be an important guy for the Lakers down the stretch, especially given his youth and energy. But JC, I did not think there was this magic trade that was going to make the Lakers better yesterday. I'm sorry. I just, I didn't see it out there. I'm not giving Rob Palenka a pass on this deadline. You you heard me. Everybody hears me start with a critique, but at the same time, I, I just, I know that this franchise has a responsibility to maximize LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I have said it year over year. But I think this franchise, despite its ability to rebound last season and make a deep playoff run in the post-Russell Westbrook era, it's not Russell Westbrook's fault, JC, but that particular trade, that decision to make that trade, the timing of the trade, everything that went into the trade itself for the player, really, really limited what the Lakers could do forward as a result. And that was really when they were most optionable with LeBron and AD. And if you really want to talk about you know, potentially closing the title window on LeBron and AD. I look at that moment more than anything that was going to transpire 
during this trade deadline or at any point this season. Yeah, I saw a couple of tweets uh, to that effect. I saw a couple of people say that, yeah, the, the title window closed when the Russell Westbrook trade happened. And, um, you know, a friend of the show, Anthony Irwin, he, he's been doing a great job lately with the Lakers lounge. Uh, I was Dude, listening he is to killing it. He is killing it. And I, and I appreciate the passion that he has in everything that he does. Yeah, I was watching his his show live right as the deadline passed, and he said, you know, a lot of interesting things. Uh, the the bulk of which basically sur- uh, surmised the, you know, he he listed off all the things that the Lakers haven't done that LeBron essentially might have wanted. Like he wanted Ty Lue, didn't hire Ty Lue. He might have wanted to push for a trade for Kyrie Irving, and we've gone over why that ended up being a bullet dodge. But the one thing they they granted. LeBron was the Russell Westbrook trade and sure enough that didn't work and sure enough they threw him and AD under the bus for that and so yeah the the Lakers are just kind of they're not they're they're to your point they're not maximizing LeBron's uh LeBron's time and I think that despite despite the fact that the Russell Westbrook trade again not the player but the trade the decision the assets the optionality the salary everything the timing Despite the fact that that trade was made, and despite the fact that it was known early in the process, probably wasn't going to work, right? It was it was pretty evident early on. I think the Lakers weren't proactive enough during that time. That in combination with the idea that as great as LeBron is and has been this season, JC, there there are undoubtedly I mean, undoubtedly, more times than not just this season that I have seen LeBron look tired while he's playing out there or take a play off on defense than in several seasons prior. I mean, and that is not a knock. That is just normal. Listen, I just turned 35. When I referee four rec league basketball games in a row, I'm cooked for the rest of the day. I literally can't do anything else, right? I totally understand and then some. But the reality is the Lakers went into this offseason as a result of the standard of greatness this man has set, thinking that LeBron and AD is the core. And while they're correct in this particular season, I think that the Lakers and everybody else, myself included, overshot the idea of what LeBron can really give you on any given night. Because if LeBron is a number two or, heaven forbid, number three on this team going into this season, completely different. Yeah, I think, you know, in the playoffs, he's obviously he plays at like an 11, but you need to be able to withstand LeBron playing at like, you know, conserving himself, playing at like a seven throughout, which I mean, at this season, he's probably had to give forth an effort closer to that 10, 11 range. And that's not sustainable. I mean, look, this 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 man has been playing NBA basketball for more than half of his life. Right. That, that's the amazing reality of LeBron James and his career. Now, as amazing as he has been, and I, I don't think that I will see anyone quite like him in the rest of my lifetime in terms of NBA superstardom and hype and coming in with the potential and surpassing it. But the reality is that the Lakers going forward need to be built more around Anthony Davis than LeBron James and should have been more around Anthony Davis than LeBron James in the last couple of years as you look to transition to that era. So whatever that involves, 
that particular trade was not available to bring it back to the trade deadline at this deadline. That trade, I don't think, has been there at any point during the season. But yeah, the Lakers could have brought in Royce O'Neal, sure, right? On the buyout market, Spencer Dinwiddie is a maybe. Danilo Gallinari has apparently been discussed. I mean, to me, these are not really players that are moving the needle of this Lakers team. Change for the sake of change can pacify the masses, but at the end of the day, it's not going to do anything about the product if these are the types of players who are coming in, and that's going to be it. I mean, Skylar Mays almost had a statue built for him outside Staples Center alongside Kobe's <laughs> if the Lakers could have held on to that game, right? So I look at this team, it always made more sense. I said the last time we were together that there is probably a reality where they just keep that first-round pick and they look in the summer when they can move more at the same time to potentially explore a greater deal. The problem the Lakers will face is that almost anyone in the league can basically offer what they're going to be able to offer, right? And, and that's the bigger question. You look at a team like the Knicks, because we're going to get into the league at large, JC. You look at a team like the Knicks acquiring OG Ananobi, Bogdanovich, and getting better Alec Burks, you know, all three of those guys, they didn't give up a first-round pick. Yeah. Kind of maneuvering that the Lakers look at other teams and go, why, why aren't we doing that? But just like LeBron has set his standard of greatness, JC, so have the Lakers. And that's the reality is when you have that standard of championships, especially in, in an era where you're honoring Kobe, literally a statue outside of Staples. I mean, you are, you know, you are so used to winning that that becomes a psychological baseline. So it is my sincere hope that the Lakers figure out a way to move forward with this current group because there is, I mean, sure, there, there might be a guy coming in from the outside, but this, this is the team. And you have a lot of guys who are on the sidelines right now. So the rest of these guys who are still standing, they're going to have to play big minutes and they're going to have to deliver. And everybody's gunning for the Lakers. That's the reality of what it is. JC, let's zoom out to the deadline at large. We, we thought it would be a fun exercise to kind of go over everything that happened during the deadline, from small deals to big deals, everything in between. You ready to go through rapid fire the league? Any final thoughts you have on the Lakers deadline before we bring it back to them in a little bit as well? Um, no, I think we about covered that. All right, man. So let's let's move around the league. Let's start talking about the league. You know, we did we did start with the Knicks, but I just want to go in this free flowing order. I have this beautiful list right in front of me. Prepared by Real GM. Shout out to all y'all keeping track of all the trades. We appreciate that. Really appreciate that. So I only have to have one tab open on my computer instead of 700 as normal. Shout out to y'all for that. Celtics trading Delano Blanton, uh, excuse me, Delano Banton to the Blazers, JC, for heavily protected second round picks. Obviously, this is just a salary dump. No real analysis to be found here unless you think Banton's going to be the next great thing in Portland. Uh yeah, I mean that was kind of a minimal trade. It's not really gonna move any any needles. I don't think that's gonna move any needles, especially on a windy farm, but you know, that's how not exciting it is. JC, <laughs> this trade I like I don't think this trade got really any play. Could be a sneaky trade for Boston. Brad Stevens, when you when he makes a trade, I always think it's important to pay attention. Celtics acquiring Jaden Springer from the Sixers for a second round pick. Springer has some nice potential as a wing defender, and I think Stevens thinks 
that he may develop nicely in that Boston system. I haven't watched a ton of Springer, but from what I've seen, I like the gamble, especially given Boston's depth. Their bench is not exactly a strong suit by any stretch. And for a team with championship aspirations, taking a chance on a guy who could potentially help you on the perimeter defensively is a no-brainer, Who's especially at such a young age. Yeah, I mean, anytime you pick up somebody young who's going to can guard uh, people on the wing, that's important. I think, you know, that game last night with the Nuggets proved that the the Lakers kind of need to focus not just on potential Jokic matchup, matchups, but also who's going to guard the great guards out in the West. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, I think the Lakers are realizing a lot of things about this team in the process. <laughs> yeah. J, JC, Robin Lopez, I mean, I, I can't believe that they would actually move him from his brother. I'm just kidding. Of course I can. That he gets moved to the Kings. Kings wave him. Robin Lopez still finds himself reading a book at the Bucks game. Again, no real analysis to be found there. It's just about the Bucks saving some money in terms of dealing him away. I like the Pacers bringing back Doug McDermott from the Spurs for a second-round pick, JC. I thought that yes. was just a kind of a fun little thing. Hopefully, he helps with the Pacers. Obviously, the Pacers also sent away Buddy Heald on deadline day. We'll talk about that in a little bit, too. So, more shooting for the Pacers. You like that for them? Yeah, the Pacers are an interesting team because they are not – they're clearly not content to settle and be a rebuilding team because they, they realize they have a star in Tigers Halliburton, so they're building around him, which is what you like to see. Obviously, Pascal Siakam is their big trade deadline acquisition, Obvious, but obviously he came to the team before deadline day itself. But that's the big move there, right? And you know, we know that Heald has been on the trade block for what feels like forever. He's finally a free agent after the season, so we shall see. Good uh, pickup for the Sixers as well. I thought they were they could use a little bit more shooting. A guy who might be able to take off some of the pressure of Tyrese Maxey right now because Joel Embiid is out of the lineup. Tyrese Maxey having a tough time adjusting to life as that number one in the NBA. There's a big difference between one and two at any level, but especially at the top level. Tyrese Maxey <laughs> finding that out right now. Patrick yeah. Beverly, speaking of the Sixers, JC, he goes to the Bucks. Cameron Payne, a second-round pick, back to the Sixers. What's your take on this one? The, that was a really interesting one. And I, I was I was watching Anthony Irwin live when that one happened. And he, because Patrick Beverly kind of broke that trade himself, he almost didn't believe it because he's like, it doesn't make sense. Why would why would Philadelphia make trade such a, you know, for what he is offensively and what he is overall, he is still somebody who can guard on the perimeter. So why would, why would Philadelphia trade an asset like Patrick Beverly to, one of your competitors in the East, in the East, in the Eastern Conference, unless, and it turned out to be true. And, you know, I think defensively for defensively campaign and Patrick Beverly do kind of wash each other out. And so maybe it's a more, it's a better fit and campaigns probably a, a better shooter. So if the Sixers are looking to pick up shooting, which they did with Buddy Heald, that might've been their thought process. I like that. And I think, you know, Patrick Beverly likes, you know, I mean, he, to say he likes to talk is an understatement. And for a guy who's yeah. been so over the Lakers for so long, I mean, he takes every opportunity to talk about the Lakers. So he'll probably talk about why his trade to the Bucks is somehow about the Lakers. But really, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I think it's a nice pickup for Milwaukee as well. They have struggled, to say the least. Uh, Doc Rivers has not been the magic bullet fix. Uh, there are some deeper things going on with that roster right now. As much as Damian Lillard, the headlines, all that, uh, Lillard's going through a tough season, J.C., I don't know if you've, you've seen, but, you know, he came out with, or I'll say he came out with an article. He was interviewed, and it was revealed that, you know, he's going through a divorce. He's going through some some really 
trying personal circumstances. I personally have a lot of empathy for that guy in that situation. I mean, there's yeah. some similar, similar things myself. Um, and it's, you have the whole world watching you night doing your job. I mean, it's just a really hard place to be in. In addition to moving to an entirely new franchise, state, city, team, house, kids adjusting, just there's a lot going on with Damian Lillard right now. And as good as he is, JC, on any given night, Drew Holiday is the best defender on the floor on almost every night. And the Bucks really miss that. So hopefully yeah. for them, Patrick Beverly can bring a little bit of that to the fold. Yeah, and it'll be fun to see Patrick Beverly and uh, and Damian Lillard on the same team. So <laughs> That is really something interesting. I agree. This is the one for me, JC, that I was referencing before. Sun, and you, you obviously alluded to it as well. Suns acquiring Royce O'Neal and David Roddy. I mean, I'm sure, why not? In a three-team trade with the Nets and the Grizzlies, the Suns agreeing to acquire Royce O'Neal from the Nets, David Roddy from the Grizzlies. Suns sending out three second-round picks in the deal. The Grizzlies getting Watanabe from Phoenix. Phoenix also sending Kata Bates-Jop, Jordan Goodwin, and Metu out in the deal as well. I mean, this is a clear upgrade for Phoenix, basically at the cost of, you know, minimum contracts and three second round picks. The minimum contracts, that's just, you know, who who would have, who, let's play this out, JC, those guys be from the Lakers. Um, I mean, yeah, that could that could easily have been uh, a Cam Reddish, the expiring Gabe Vincent, or, uh, you know, maybe even... I mean, to say, I mean, obviously JHS, but I mean, who's going to want him at this point? But yeah, some, something to that effect. So, I mean, this, this is the one trade, like I said before, where I look at it and say, mm, maybe Lakers could have done a little bit more here, right? Maybe they could have sealed the deal, but, you know, may, maybe they didn't. Maybe they just didn't even have a chance to get to the table. This was already agreed upon. Royce O'Neal should help Phoenix. Uh, David Roddy, uh, sure, I guess he'll help Phoenix, too. I don't know. I mean, he's that guy is amazing. Yeah. He looks like a with Royce, with Royce O'Neal, it's like you look at the Suns roster and they're stacked with, with their their big four basically, and uh, and people, you know, the, the joke with them has always been, well, who are they going to guard? Well, now they picked up some defense, some defense that I'm sure the Lakers would have appreciated. Sure, and Laker fans would have appreciated, and you know, it's been listen, it's it's been a while since Lakers have had a real like Jared Vanderbilt type of player, so it's really. It's really something. If they can defend, trust me, Lakers fans are going to be excited. And I think Lakers fans got to bring more energy, man. It was so great. Just a real quick tangent. It was so great to see the amount of energy present to honor Kobe in that building to start the game. That's really something that I miss about Staples Center and really watching Kobe play is how much energy was in that house every night, JC. Lakers fans, I, I really want that energy to return. So we'll see if that happens. But, of course, the team's got to play better if you want to bring that consistently Laker fans are fickle, if nothing else. Shout out to the reality of the situation. JC, my potentially my favorite trade of deadline day. The Mavericks swoop it in to not land Kyle Kuzma, but instead go and get P.J. Washington from Charlotte at the cost of Grant Williams, Seth Curry, and a first-round pick. And JC, apparently Grant Williams really wore out his welcome in Dallas real quick. Yeah, that was an interesting one. I haven't I haven't watched the Mavericks enough to really kind of see the the kind of impact that Grant Williams has had, or even like look at you know body language of the team or anything like that. Um, it's just surprisingly because it's surprising because he was uh, he was such a uh, 
you know, a fan favorite in Boston, and his teammates seem to really like Grant Williams. So I don't know why he didn't really mesh with with the Mavericks. And the Seth Curry thing is interesting too, because I mean, I, I don't know if he's a buyout candidate, but he's somebody I've always wanted to see play with LeBron. As you want to surround LeBron with shooters, and if he's a buyout candidate, that's somebody I think the Lakers would be interested in. You know, I think that <laughs> I really think that with for sure but it feels like there's an element of because he got paid four years of 54 million that he might think that he deserves a little more than what he's earned to Mm. say it like that for the best best way possible i think his minutes were kind of all over the place with dallas it depended on you know the game the night his performance a a variety of other factors of course we've we've all seen all over twitter that apparently he switched from lucas to tatum's shoes during at some point during the season as well and I just think this is a great trade for Dallas, to be honest with you. And yeah. I, I think bringing in P.J. P.J. Washington, way better than Grant Williams. P.J. Washington spanked Grant Williams every night. Grant Williams go home and have nightmares about P.J. Washington. <laughs> okay? And P.J. Washington is on a very reasonable deal. Because if you remember, his free agency kind of extended like way later than it should have. And I want to say he signed for around $50 million. Yeah, four, $48 million, three years. $48 million as, as a restricted free agent. That's why it dragged on for so long, right? So now the, the Mavericks have this player locked in at $16 million a year. Who would you rather have, JC? In, in a vacuum is P.J. Washington. It's not even a question, right? Yeah. But the, but, but the reality is, would you rather pay Grant Williams half a million dollars a year or P.J. Washington $16 million a year? Because the difference is a minimum player. I mean, yeah, the way this league is going, anybody who's undersized at their position, you'd, you'd want to pass on. Like, wow, how Zion is doing what he's doing, being un, being an undersized power forward is is amazing. And Grant Williams is kind of that same way. He's whatever whatever height he's listed at, he's he's shorter than that. I mean, let me t- let me tell you how how badly Grant Williams wore out his welcome in Dallas. They the when the Mavericks signed and traded for him, they also did a pick swap with Boston, right? So that's fine, whatever. Twenty thirty, you know, you don't even think about it, but Catch a first round pick to Charlotte because PJ Washington is a good player, but they had to. And Grant, Grant Williams, just this this was the deal for me that I was like, man, better because Dallas one of those teams that's right ahead of the Lakers, right? And I said, man, Dallas got better with this trade. All right, JC, the Nets acquiring our old pal Dennis Schroeder once again on the move. Nets acquiring Dennis Schroeder and Thaddeus Young from the Raptors for Spencer Dinwiddie. Obviously, we know now that not only is Spencer Dinwiddie being bought out from the Raptors, which for a $1.5 million contract incentive has been reported feels odd, to say the least. And then Thaddeus Young also being uh, released as well. What's your take on this one? Uh, I mean, yeah, Dennis Dennis is early in the season. uh, He was having a really great, you know, putting up great numbers for the Raptors. And uh, he's definitely somebody who I think Lakers fans miss. I, I wanted him back this offseason because uh, I thought he was great last season. And so to see him traded again, it's a bummer. I know he wants to be a bigger piece of a starting role. And, I mean, I don't know. He was a pretty big piece of the Lakers last year. And so I you know, would hope, would hope to have seen him back, maybe not necessarily in this trading deadline, but to see him traded again, kind of a bummer. Maybe he'll get to have a big impact in Brooklyn. Um, but, yeah, still I still root for him. In terms of uh, Lakers potentially seeking some help 
in some unexpected places, JC. Is there any kind of chance the some interest in Thaddeus Young? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, more big bodies is certainly not going to help, or certainly going to help. Um, the, I mean, in the buyout market, I think the Lakers should target uh, best available, and they should target also backup point guards because Gabe. I mean, so they're going to keep Gabe Vincent because he wasn't traded, and maybe he'll be help, healthy for the playoffs if the Lakers can get there. Um, but you need a veteran, like a true point guard for the for the second unit, and right now they don't really have one. Yeah, it's just sort of a, a small problem for a team with playoff aspirations, to say the very least, right? I mean, that's yeah. rea- that's rea- that's the reality of it. But I wonder, even though Thad Young has been in the league for literally 387 years, I-, I wonder if he could potentially help on the wing at all, or if he is sort of on the tail end, which I know he is. You know, if it's too little, too late, I get that too. The Knicks, JC, alluded to it earlier, actually said it outright earlier. Knicks acquiring Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks from the Pistons for the cost of whole lot of nothing i really want to say look quentin grimes is an interesting young player and i think given what detroit needs to do that makes sense but evan fournier's terrible contract malachi flynn ryan i'm not even going to try to pronounce your last name and two second round picks right this feels like a very reasonable trade like especially considering that bogdanovich during the offseason people were talking about oh you got to trade one maybe two first round picks to even get detroit to listen at you like this feels very very light yeah, to get out of that Evan Fournier contract, no matter who you get in return, was going to be a I mean, win really, for the Knicks regardless. Really, that's, a, that's a win by itself, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and Boyan, I think it'll be interesting to see because he's, you know, he's been a Lakers target for a while. Uh, the whole time he's been a Lakers target, I've been like, he's old and he can't really defend. So how much big, how much of an impact can he really have? And we'll probably see him be the next European, the next Luka Doncic in the Knicks uniform. But uh, you know, aside from that, it is a good trade for the Knicks. <laughs> Basically, the Knicks traded for Bogdanovich and Burks for Grimes and two second round picks. I mean, really, I mean, no, no disrespect, but like that's the reality of this deal, right? So, clear win for the Knicks. I mean, Leon, Leon Rose doing work, all right. Mavericks yeah. once again, and and this is another one I like for them for one for a big reason. Mavericks getting Daniel Gafford from the Wizards for Rashawn Holmes and a first round pick. People go and look at this one and go, hey, you know, whatever. Kind of like, just kind of pass by it. The Mavericks, Derek Lively at center. And Derek Lively is a good fit for that team, but Derek Lively, I heard Matsola um, talking about it on uh, Sirius XM. Derek Lively, I mean, he was a one-and-done center as well. So he's young, and he wasn't expected to necessarily have this role right away, kind of gravitated toward it, and Dallas really needs him to – to play well, right? So now you get Gafford, who is obviously a veteran. Who, I don't want to say plays uh, similar, but he's you know he's he's athletic. He can he can dunk. He can run. He fits with Luca and Kyrie pretty well. So I I think it makes a lot of sense for the Mavericks. And all of a sudden you look at the Mavericks and you go, huh? And if they do wind up adding Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, huh? Right? Like I mean, Dallas has Dallas been an interesting team all season. Now they're getting a little more interesting, especially with P.J. Washington, Daniel Gafford, Luca, Kyrie, Josh Green's emergence. I mean, there, there's some things to like in Dallas, J.C. I, I severely doubted that the Luca-Kyrie thing was going to work this season. And, I mean, clearly something's working or, or they each have missed each other's games. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, Dallas is. I mean, they're in, kind of in a similar boat with the Lakers. They they are. They should be better than they are. They're currently eighth in the West. Uh, they're making moves to get better while Luca still has tons of potential. Potential, and they definitely don't want to lose him in free agency down the road or have him request a trade because they're not making moves. So they're they're putting in the effort, and that's that's what you want to see as a fan. No doubt about it. I mean, of course, that's what you want to see, especially, I mean, especially when you got Luke on your team, right? And I think that's how Lakers fans feel because it's, hello, you got LeBron and AD. All right, Sixers trading Danielle House, second rounder to the Pistons for a whole lot of nothing. House winds up becoming a free agent. Is House a possibility for the Lakers? I don't think so. I think I think there'll be much better options, you know, whether – because he's another one. He's kind of – he's sort of a tweener, guard, forward – a uh, little undersized. He can do some things, but nothing particularly well. I think Din Dinwiddie at least has, you know, the history with D'Lo and when they were playing well. So that you know, you've got that going for him. Um, you've got guys out there like Joe Harris, who's a re- who at one point was a, the best shooter in the league. Not so much Dang. anymore, but if you just need him to be a designated shooter for a couple of spots, maybe he could be available. I mean, I honestly, I honestly, JC, I don't, oh man, Joe Harris, the thought of Joe Harris like two, three years ago even? Yeah. How? That man has fallen off a cliff. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's incredible. Some players, they just just lose it, right? They just, I mean, it's it's really, and I, and I, I mean, that's, that's what I see with Joe Harris, but I mean, the idea is better than the reality. It's like Kyle Korver toward the end of his career. Like, he wasn't incapable of making threes. But he was not exactly automatic either, right? I mean, he was, he was, uh, he was older, and that's that's what happens. All right, yeah. let's keep going. Thunder acquiring Gordon Hayward. That was a big name, but I don't know about the game on that one. Big name trade from the Hornets for Trey Mann, Davis Bertans because of his contract, right? I actually think that I, I'm not sure that there's a player who is currently in the Thunder rotation who is not better than Gordon Hayward. So, I mean, I like the move for the Thunder because it didn't cost them anything that they were using. Veteran presence, guy who's been there. I like it from that perspective. But in terms of elevating the ceiling of the basketball team, uh, I don't know that it does a whole lot. They're already really good. I don't think this makes them really great. Yeah, I think I think he's a veteran presence and a really young team that I think the young guys will appreciate listening to. So that's about all it is. I actually really do like this deal for Charlotte. Gordon Hayward was doing absolutely nothing for them anyway. Trey Mann is an interesting young guard. If he can develop in Charlotte, it would be a huge boost for them. Hopefully, LaMelo can get himself healthy because uh, their rookie, Brandon Miller, is starting to really look nice. Raptors, this was a trade that had me going WTF, signing it in sign language, so I'm starting to learn that too. Raptors acquiring Kelly Olynyk from the Jazz JC. point of this trade it's yeah i mean kelly lennox been playing pretty well for the jazz i think the jazz are sort of in between either a rebuild or i don't really know what they're doing but i mean and they also have pieces to move so yeah i mean and the raptors are kind of in a similar position in the east like like are they a playoff team are they not a playoff team are they rebuilding are they not rebuilding it's just it was i just found this one to be kind of weird Going back the other way, you got Otto Porter, Kira Lewis, and a 2024 first-round pick. I mean, cool, I guess. I don't know. 
that that one to me, I just I really didn't understand it because just traded everybody away. So why bring in this player? But hey, whatever. I mean, you you, you know that's that's your that's your prerogative. All right, uh, the Wolves acquiring Monty Morris from the Pistons, Troy Brown Jr., Shake Milton, 20-30 round pick. Wolves get a backup point guard. I mean, that's that's a good move for them. Uh, the one of the biggest deals of the day, JC. Obviously, the Sixers acquiring Buddy Heald, Marcus Morris, Furkan Korkmaz since Wade, and three second-round picks going back to the Pacers. What's your take on Heald in Philadelphia? Is that a short-term rental or a long-term fit? Um, I think that's a short-term rental. I think he – I mean, unless he ends up really liking it there. Um, I, he, he's, his name has been circulated in trade rumors for so long for him to finally be traded – to, to a contender, not the Lakers, but to a contender I think he's happy with. And so I think he'll appreciate the opportunity playing for a contender, and we'll we'll get to see what uh, what he's got. Speaking of the Pistons and guys they waived, JC, the Pistons waving top 10 overall pick from just a few years ago, Killian Hayes, who, assuming he is not claimed on waivers, will also be available on the buyout market. If the Lakers lose out on Spencer Dinwiddie, is Killian Hayes a potential option? Um, I mean, I thought about that just because, uh, you know, in, in times that I've gambled on him and things like that, he's, he's, he's got potential, but I think in Daryl Morey, I've, I've seen say in an interview once, like once, once a player shows you who, who they are in their fourth year, that's pretty much who they're going to be. And Killian Hayes has kind of been on the cusp. He had ever six assists a game last year, but that was for the Pistons who were pretty terrible. So, I mean, He's got upside that hasn't been reached, but it's also upside that hasn't been reached in four years. And so is it ever going to get reached? Not the same player profile at all, but in a, in a weird way, reminds me of former Laker Kendall Marshall, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay, you're a really good passer, but can you do literally anything else, right? Like <laughs> literally anything else. Yeah, has, uh, has so- yet to reach 30% in three-point shooting for his career. So I would say it's a big no for the Lakers. Yeah, I'm going to say that's a big no as well. All right, Celtics getting better at a marginal cost. Two second-round picks to acquire Xavier Tillman from the Grizzlies. Uh, That's a tough-as-nails kind of guy. Reminds me of kind of like a Kendrick Perkins from back in the day. That's how you know I'm getting old, right? Because people who played like when I was a teenager now are on ESPN looking looking some type of way. Okay, Reminds me of like Kendrick Perkins energy, kind of an undersized big man tough nose first i think boston will really like him he'll really like boston i think that makes them better jc that that's kind of one of those moves where he's he's somebody who again hasn't shown you know tons of great potential but i think there's a lot of upside there and that's that's a move where when i saw the lakers or the celtics make it i was like tillman was available i was like the lakers could use him but yeah that's i mean that's yeah, I thought the because it was the same with Derek White a couple of years ago when Derek White was traded. I was like, oh man, I can't believe the Spurs traded Derek White to the Celtics for like nothing. And then I didn't really think anything else of it of the trade. And then Derek White is almost an All Star this year. Cost is very reasonable. Sometimes when you have a marginal, marginal, excuse me, or reasonable acquisition cost, the gamble is worth it. Lastly, JC, the Pistons acquiring Fontecchio, and I that is such a lovely last name. I really dig it from the Utah <laughs> Jazz. For 2024 second round pick, be it that wasn't even theirs to begin with, and the corpse of Kevin Knox's NBA career. Okay, the Pistons getting Fontecchio. I mean, like that the Jazz were gonna get more for him, right? Like 
this is a kid who's kind of proven he can shoot it a little bit. Interesting player. I don't know how good he's going to wind up being, but this feels very light, especially given like the Pistons are short on talent. So dub for Detroit. Yeah, I think there are teams similar to Oklahoma City and the Jazz. Like Oklahoma City had a ton of guards, and so Trey Mann's a good player. They, they just they have too many guards, so they gotta they've got to make a trade at some point. And I think the Jazz are kind of in that same position. They they have a lot of redundancy at some positions, and they have a lot of picks, and so they they could be very active in the trading trade market. JC, that's how trade is supposed to work. Now that I'm teaching once again. I have the ability to, to sort of experiment and grow across a multitude of subjects. And especially when I'm teaching history, talking about the history of trade in various capacities, that's the whole idea. Take something you're rich in, trade it for something that you're not as rich in. Everybody can win, right? It's not supposed to be win-loss or lose-win. It's supposed to be win-win. That's what it's rooted in. Of course, like anything else, it becomes corrupted. JC, we have flown through a myriad of trades, talked about the Lakers, the Kobe statue. Incredible. I absolutely love it. I want to end on a very positive Kobe note here. We've been doing this for a little while. Shout out to 81. I think it's iconic. And anyone who hasn't thought about it like this, as it was pointed out to me earlier today, and I just absolutely loved it even more, right? Because so many people had their own ideas for what the statue should look like. But him posing, right? Not only does it represent the moment, but wearing number eight, putting the number one in the air, 81. I mean, I absolutely love everything about it, JC. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's just it's it was a beautiful trophy, and it's it's hard for trophies like that to really nail like the likeness. That was, I mean, even down to the colors, it's hard, also hard to add color in some of those like copper statues. But like that was about as perfect a statue as as they can get. Like it was, the details were great, down to the tape around his finger, like just a beautiful statue. Super, super excited to see what the other two are going to look like. Of course, I trade every opportunity to see all of those at a much later time just to have Kobe with us. This was an incredible episode. Thank you, JC, for the energy, for the love. The trade deadline brings out the best in all of us. But it would not be complete if we did not shout out the fruit of the week. Sumo mandarins. They look like a puffed up orange. They're great with some tahini, with your favorite citrus fruit or whatever else you want to mix it with absolutely smacks on a beautiful beautiful night before the super bowl this weekend jc who's the super bowl pick uh i like chiefs um i don't i don't buy into a lot of the uh the the script theory and i know uh we actually haven't talked about the the whole taylor swift thing um which i don't mind i think i'm not a you know i don't listen to her music but i think she's a good role model and a good person overall um, I don't buy into the script thing, but if the Chiefs win and Travis Kelsey does propose on the field after in the celebration, then maybe I'll buy into the script thing. But uh, <laughs> no, I think I think the Chiefs are I think the Chiefs are just better. Well, all I can tell you is this: the man who is responsible for making sure that my class schedule stays full is a big 49ers fan, and he's going to Vegas for the game. So I, in that sense, <laughs> hope that his heart is fulfilled. And he is in a lovely mood. I myself just hope for a good game, good snacks, and that's all it needs to be for me. JC, it's been a pleasure for this one. No video this time, but we'll be back with you on the video side, hopefully in the near future. Until then.
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.